I think that, you know, we've had a change in our social environment and people used to have an attitude, I'll say, for a lack of better terms, that, well, those services are for those people. Well, during the pandemic, we all became those people. So I think that we have a societal change where people are recognizing the need for service. What is NACOG? We've all heard of it. Most of us can't seem to remember what it stands for. But after this episode of the Prescott Woman podcast, you will know and remember, thanks to Terry Drew, the smart and savvy director of the economic workforce wing of NACOG, the Northern Arizona Council of Governments. They're doing the hard work and important work of economic development, community support, early childhood education, and so much more. They coordinate with local and county governments across Apache, Coconino, Navajo, and Yavapai counties here in Northern Arizona to make life better for all of us. Terry is with us today to talk about the work she has done for over 40 years to lift individuals out of poverty via career development and at the same time, support local businesses in building effective, sustainable workforces. We're your hosts, Kelly Roberge and Charles Matthews. This is the Prescott Woman Podcast. Our guest this week, Terry Drew, works with 24 communities across Northern Arizona to help both workers and businesses build success. She currently serves as the chair of the Arizona Workforce Association and was recently appointed to the United States Workforce Association. She has served on just about every workforce-related board and committee at local, state, and national levels during her long career. For more of Terry's bio and resume, check out the show notes. Terry is also active in our community. She is a Promise Maker sponsor of Yavapai County Big Brothers Big Sisters. She was named Prescott Area Leadership's Woman of the Year in 2012 and has been the recipient of numerous regional, state, and federal innovation awards. We hope you'll come away from this talk feeling as hopeful and inspired as we did that we have such devoted, competent people working to make our communities function well for all of us. If you or someone you know is struggling with job loss amidst this economic apocalypse, look up NACOG. Their link is in the show notes and find out what they can do to help. All right, right. let's Let's get get local. local. everybody to the Prescott Woman podcast. We're here with Kelly Roberge. Hi everybody. Charles Matthews, your other host and and we're going to find out what NACOG does and and why it's been a part of this community for so long. Terry's celebrating her 40 something year in this position serving serving four counties across northern Arizona and just and just right off the bat thank you Terry thank you for being such a service minded person and making northern Arizona hum along as best it can in in economic ways and developing workforce thank you so much for doing that thank you for that acknowledgement it's quite a journey and and it's a passion at the same time yeah so Terry can you ex- tell us about what Workforce development is? I'd be happy to. Um, Workforce development services were first developed in the Great Depression, and it was an effort to help the economy kickstart again after many, many folks lost their jobs and were struggling with rent and basic living opportunities. 
and they created workforce development programs in the 30s. I haven't been here that long, (laughs) but uh, I'm still the successor of those programs, and they've been programs and services over time uh, funded through the federal government and the U.S. Department of Labor. So the so NACOG works to get people into jobs that are already existing or get people trained for those jobs, or what are some of the programs that NACOG does? Yeah, we have the pleasure of um, working with both the business community and our um, community at large, the talent sourcing. And so we do both. And so we'll develop jobs for individuals because we know our employers, they're our neighbors, they're our friends, and they're our colleagues. And so they're part of our community. We know uh, most of them well. And we match individuals who are either in the community or recently located to the community with those jobs. Sometimes we'll see a talent in an individual and we'll know that there's a need with an employer and we help grow that partnership. And we help grow that partnership with some financing And the financing, sometimes we pay 100% of the wages for an employer and an employee to decide that it's a good match, both in terms of skill and culture. And then we have what we call the -the on-the-job training program, where we pay 50% of the wages. So for employers, it's not as much of a risk or a gamble for them to consider somebody that we refer because we're absorbing the cost of training. And that's what employment and training is really intended to do is to help offset that training cost for employers. The -the on-the-job training program where we pay 50% of uh, the individual's wages, and we're pretty darn sure that it's a good match because we've done testing with that individual to make sure that they meet the basic needs of that employer. And that's evidenced by our performance standards that are driven by national numbers, where we're successful with 98% retention rate for individuals we place over a year. And I don't even have that in my own agency, um, but we're able to accomplish that for Yavapai County. So that's, that's, some, uh, that's some really that's, successful matchmaking. That's that's better than a dating really, app. Yeah, it really, really is. And part of the way that we accomplish that is um, everybody has a barrier to employment. And sometimes it might be a, a tire that's blown out and the folks don't have the funds to buy a new tire. And and they'll sometimes quit their job for that reason. Mm. Um, We'll pay for that tire to get that person there. Sometimes they have a personal circumstance that forbids them from staying in a job or retaining a job. And we're working with them behind the scenes so it's not on the employer's plate, it's on our plate to work with those individuals through those barriers, whether it be daycare, um, sometimes it's a domestic situation, Um, we can pay for counseling, we can pay for daycare, we can help pay for anything that helps an individual obtain or maintain employment. And so that's really broad opportunity for individuals. And like I said, we're working behind the scenes so that the employer doesn't have to take that on. And an individual doesn't have to reveal those things about themselves to the employer either. What an amazing program. I had no idea that's what you guys do. That is, that makes so much sense to help out both the business owners and the people who are in the workforce to deal with those things that just inevitably come up in life. Exactly. And so we, we like to think of it as a holistic approach to success and to career building. And lots of folks do job placement where they'll get someone a a job. And we focus more on careers because we want someone to be self-sufficient long-term. Fantastic. And so, you know, while we may place them in a job, um, like I said, we're working through all of those specifics to help them retain that job. And then 
even to go to the next level in a job. So in some instances, we'll have an individual who we place in one of our programs and they're liked so much that the employer will say, you know, I want to take him into management. And so we can do lots of things. So we can pay for 100% of their books and tuition to get the credentials that the employer requires for them to be promoted into those higher level um, occupations. I think all of us know, and it's a lot of how I've been at NACOG for so long, it's all about relationship building and fitting into culture. And it took us a long time to understand what that looked like. So I think about 10 years ago, companies start talking about, you know, we need someone to fit into our culture. So in order for us to place individuals, I often asked employers, what does that look like? And they said, well, you know, someone who gets along with our team, but what is that? And so finally, we've been able to find a way where we can match individuals with like personalities or at least be motivated towards the same goals. That's great. I used to run the Boys to Men Mentoring Network here in town, and we would have, we didn't work with kids once they graduated high school, but that transition time, we were able to refer a couple of young men to that program and the, and the 100% match just made it so easy for a team yeah. to get a job because our experience with employers is they want to hire people. They want to hire young people, local employers believe in local yes. workforce, but they don't always have the funds to take somebody on. And it is a risk for an employer. It's, it's a, it's, training and getting somebody on board, it's not, it's not easy. It's one of the greatest expenses an employer does have. And we've um, researched and talked to employers over time about the cost of turnover. It's huge. You know, and I think any employer out there would agree. So any efforts or opportunities they have for retention, um, it's just really welcome by most employers. That's great. And so you've been, you know, you've been doing this for 40 some years. And the same, same job <laughs> that's very rare in, in the culture these days. What keeps you at it? What keeps you at it? And you're not only are you serving the Quad Cities, but your bailiwick, like we were talking before we started recording, is, is four counties. Yavapai, Coconino, Apache, and not Navajo not County. Not. I mean, it's bigger, yes. than, bigger, than, bigger than some states back east is your, is your territory. States, yes. uh, so what, what keeps you at it? You know, it's 47,000 square miles. So, um, you know, I'm never bored. And, and anybody who works for me, that's the first thing I say. I, I can promise you, you'll never be bored here at NACOG. And, and we are not. And I have to say, you know, um, when I started at NACOG, I started as a clerical um, assistant to the manager at that time. And, um, and then over time, of course, I progressed in my position to now being the executive director for the workforce board. And, you know, what keeps me at it is, um, like I said, I'm never bored. And I love the thought or the notion of um, creating opportunities. So if you ever hear me speak, uh, I often say that my job is pretty simple because all I have to offer is opportunity. So when I meet with an employer or I meet with an individual, I'm not there to sell them anything. My job is to spend money. Um, You know, I go out and I offer those opportunities, financial opportunities to individuals and and businesses. And so that's that makes it very gratifying. I, um, over the years, have worked with many, many, many people um, at various levels. And uh, my gratitude is um, most places I go, people say, oh, you got me my first job. You know what? I want to show you my pay stub. You know, when I started with NACOG, I was making this much and now I'm making, you know, six figures. 
and I just love that. <laughs> and um, so that's what keeps me motivated. I like to be challenged and I'm challenged every single day, you know, so uh, all of those things keep me right where I am. Yeah. And of course, a great team of folks that work with me at NACOG. Does any particular client story stand out to you? I, I, I can imagine you're like the favorite teacher in high school where students come back and show <laughs> you, you know, their their PhD diploma or, you know, some some great <laughs> thing they've achieved. You know, they do all the time. And, and like I said, over the years, I'm... And I just love that. And I think that's what started to help me gain momentum um, to want to do more. And um, an individual who came and was unemployed and had particular um, circumstances and was a veteran came in and wasn't sure which way to turn. And uh, he came back for probably 10 or 15 years just to check in and say, I'm doing really well. And hey, check out my paycheck. And and um I had a circumstance where I was going to have a surgery at Yavapai Regional Medical Center. From the moment I checked in at admitting, um, the woman said, hey, you've got me a job. And they shipped me uh, quickly over to x-rays. And the woman there said, you started me out as a radiologist. And it was like, wow. And and I, I'm serious. I'm not joking. It's like every single person I touched in that um, facility um, had known about NACOG or they knew me before I knew them. And so, like I said, it's really quite gratifying. You are surrounded by angels that you made yourself. <laughs> I, you know, I felt well taken care of. You know, none of us likes to step into a surgery room, but I felt well taken care of and among friends and family. Mm. That's great. That's, that's very detailed, very literal community building. You've been building mm-hmm. community for, for not just for yourself, but for, for everybody else for the last, uh, last several decades. Thank you for that. So we're going to take a little break and we're going to come back with more from Terry Drew about the challenges and, and opportunities for the workforce during COVID times. Thanks so much for listening to the Presco Woman podcast. This episode is the companion piece to the story in the current issue of Prescott Woman magazine. For more on Terry Drew and NACOG, pick up the August-September issue available now. This excellent magazine is free at locations all over town. Check the show notes to find one close to you or subscribe at prescottwomanmagazine.com to make sure you get yours as soon as it comes out. Now back to our talk with Terry Drew. are back with the Prescott Woman podcast and we are here with Terry Drew from NACOG. And we're learning about what workforce development means and it means a lot more than we thought at the beginning. Working both with individuals who are looking for a job and with businesses to try and do that crucial matchmaking so that people not only get a job but can actually even get a start or a restart I'm guessing on a career. Is that is that a good summation? It absolutely is. And it absolutely is. And I want folks to always know that we do train folks in careers. And so it's not just job placement. So we don't have people pushing rooms and filing files. I, you know, they really are true careers. Right. And yeah, you were talking about x-ray technicians and, and uh, admissions folks at the, at the hospital. These are the, these are the really important jobs that need to be filled in this community. Yeah. Frontline. Essential workers. Yeah. Essential mm-hmm. workers. Right. Yeah. So speaking of which, 
what are the big challenges that you're seeing? Well, let's actually, let's, let's talk about Yavapai County and the, and the other counties that you serve sort of before COVID hit. What are the big challenges to workforce and economic development in our neck of the woods in, in Northern in Arizona in 2019, yeah. right? The challenges in 2019 was the demand for workers was very, very high and our supply was low. And we've kind of flipped that coin a little bit, not not too much because of unemployment. Um, But like I said, the demand was very high. The disparity that we have in our economy is the cost of living. Mm. So people come here and they want to live and work in Prescott. And they take a look at our average wage compared to our cost of living. And it's difficult. So the, the housing costs here are not that much lower than they are in Phoenix, but the wages are not as high. Is that is that one of the... Yeah, and, and the uh, Maricopa proximity to Yavapai County, very close. And um, you can, there's the apartment living is much more abundant there. And low-income housing or medium-income housing is much more abundant there. And then, of course, you have other resources. So our cost of living in comparison is, is like I said, a challenge for many. And I know in 2018 and 2019, when the the housing started getting built up again, that the the cry was going out for skilled workers or even even entry-level workers in the fields of electrician and plumber and even just uh, just labor. Trades, yeah. yeah, the building trades were, were calling out for workers and yeah. they just couldn't fill the positions. Yeah, you know, there's still a demand for um, construction-based um, workers. And, and um, you know, Governor Ducey did a great deed for all of us when he allowed the construction industry to continue during COVID. Um, I think our state realized the benefits of that day after day after day because that allowed us to continue to grow and expand our state. Right. And we all know, I think we all know, I assume everybody listening, you know, knows just how important it is for everybody in the community to have a decent paying job because that means there's money in their pocket to spend at the mm-hmm. gift shop that you just opened or the restaurant that you're trying to support or mm-hmm. the movie theater where your kid is going to get a get a job. Right. And the nail salon and I, the, yeah, everything. Exactly. Yeah, we talked earlier a little bit about essential workers, and and I think that what we do in workforce development is essential, because the only way for the economy to kick back is for folks to have the funds to do so and the security to do so. And when they have funds and they have a job, then they have bending community, which creates the revenues and keeps our streets and our cities and, and everybody healthy. So, you know, given the mismatch between the, the number of jobs and the number of applicants in, in 2019, what was NACOG doing to bring more skilled workers in or get workers skilled up? What, what, how are you answering that, that challenge? Yeah, the Workforce Investment Program is a national program, so it gives us access to a national talent pool. And so we were reaching deep to go into the national archives and recruit individuals in to meet local labor needs. We held job fairs in Maricopa County in July for folks who were going, I'm done with the heat, I'm going to Prescott. And you know, the construction industry is very competitive compared to the Phoenix and metro areas. Um, we have a particular company in, in um, Yavapai County and in Prescott, and we had a long conversation with them because they were suffering with turnover. You know, So would you pay somebody a dime? A dime more, 10 cents. And they said, well, yes. And I said, you need to start a rumor and let your folks know because people are leaving your employee for a dime. 
And so we had that conversation with a manufacturing company and, and they said, yeah, we'll pay the dime because the turnover is costing us a lot more. Also, you know, the question was, will you invest in your incumbent workers? So they had a great line of incumbent workers who had been with them for 10, 15 years, but they didn't have the skill sets to move to the next level. And so we have what we call incumbent worker training. Again, we can pay for those individuals to go to school and earn a credential to take that promotion, or we can pay for that person to be on the -the on-the-job training program where we subsidize 50% of those wages as well. And they, they did that. And so they were creating a third shift. And I'm happy to say that we're still working with that same company who is now creating a fourth shift. So you were able to take a situation where an employer was, was bleeding workers because they didn't, know, they didn't know what the competition was doing. They didn't know what the needs of the workers were and gave them the little bit of information they needed and then give them support to mm-hmm. serve the needs of those workers that had been with them for a long time. And then we were able to help them with some of those support services like case managing or counseling those individuals. Yes, you can do this, you know, and we know you can do this and, and we and um, helps build confidence. So it worked out really well. And now we're working with that same company who's expanding again and coming to us for assistance to create a fourth um, shift. That's great. And that means more people being employed. Yes. Yeah. Uh, success. That's great. That's great. Mm-hmm. So I was just curious how you've had to shift going into, you know, six months of pandemic. Are you still doing the same kinds of uh, matchmaking or has the, the scene changed dramatically in the last few months? You know, everything has changed. So that demand changed. And then, um, you know, the, probably the biggest obstacle that we had Um, While we understand that it was uh, greatly needed and important was unemployment. Um, And so we had employers that were struggling to stay open, including essential workers for grocery and even the hospital and healthcare and um, other human services. Um, And they were struggling. Um, And so in the beginning, you know, with the first executive orders, we understood that pretty much everything closed down. We stayed open because the demand for unemployment was so great that our partners at DES um, could not meet the capacity. And we received calls from congressional members saying, my constituents can't sign on to unemployment. They can't get anybody on the phone. Will you help? And it's like, absolutely. So our staff and our team has been on the job the entire pandemic from March on and literally walking people step by step through the unemployment process along with our partners at DES. There was a lot of hardship on the employer side of the fence, like I said, wanting to reopen. And if their industry was allowed to reopen, they didn't have the workers to be able to open at the capacity that would make a revenue advantage for them. And so we started working with employers and to invite their employees back to work. Um, Because remember, at the same time, Yavapai College and the Small Business Administration Program was offering payroll protection programs. And so we were working hand in hand with them as well. And the payroll protection program was to pay individuals their salaries, um, 75% of those funds, And so you couldn't use those funds if you didn't have those workers. So we needed a solution. And the solution was invite those folks back to work. We understand there's lots of social issues around the pandemic, including um, age requirements or restrictions or 
if they have any existing conditions. And there's lots of good reasons why folks um, should not return to work. But now there's lots of opportunity to return back to work. And that's, you know, remote work is the new norm. Mm -hmm. Right, right. Yeah, I'm, you know, I'm one of those people that has, you know, some comorbidities. I'm, I have asthma. I'm, I'm overweight. I don't, I do oh. not want to get COVID. Mm -mm. And if my, you know, if, if my employer, if, if, if I knew that my employer wasn't taking it seriously, I would have, a, I would be having to weigh what risk am I willing to accept? Those are, everybody had to make yeah. some really, really tough decisions. And that's not, we're not, they we're not over did. with that yet. There's still decisions to be made. Yeah. Yeah. They did have to make those decisions and they're still making those decisions. So we had the, and you know, an foreseeable circumstance where everybody lost their unemployment for a few weeks. And I think that was earth shaking for many to say, uh oh, I came dependent on something that wasn't forever. And our constant messaging to folks was be grateful that you have it, invest in the future, pay forward your rent, pay forward your utilities. And then, of course, you know, companies like APS were so generous and um, forgiveness programs and UNS gas and, and on and on. Um, so folks had many, many, many advantages um, to return back to work and to sustain themselves during these times. I can imagine also it was really challenging to decide what to do and how to deal with the situation early on because we, did, we didn't know what we know right. now and, and, and we're still mm -hmm. figuring out you know, how, how transmission works and all of that, but we have a better idea. But because it was right. unknown, it makes it really hard to make good decisions. It really does. And the folks that we were working with were not um, a generation of folks who were used to assistance. So literally everybody became unemployed and they had never been unemployed in their career or in their adult life. And so it was a whole new world and it's a different world. And people had social issues around accepting services and benefits and things like that. So our services turn from employment-based programming to unemployment and sustainability type opportunities. So at NACOG, beyond the economic and workforce development programs, we also have a rental assistance program. We also have the uh, Area Agency on Aging assisting the elderly and the Head Start program, all with particular impacts to community and country, really. And so it's like I mentioned before, really a holistic approach to how do we help folks. That's with great. And it sounds like, so tell me if this is the right way to kind of think about the story. Before the pandemic, you were coaching people on how to be employed and how to get a job and how to uh, maintain a career and even develop a career that, that started getting them better paychecks and, and coaching employers on how to work with employees. And then during the, especially the first unemployment spike, sounds like you were coaching people on how to be unemployed and how to take care of themselves. And yeah. yeah, right. Exactly. How to sustain themselves. And, and then, you know, a lot of it was, was uh, very emotional for individuals. And so it was that case management um, opportunity as well. And everything was fast and furious. <laughs> I think um, people started to hear about these different opportunities. And, and then it was also, you know, it was, difficult for folks because they applied and they were told they weren't eligible. And you now, thankfully, we have a great relation, relationship with the Department of Economic Security, and, and they were coaching us on the sides. And, you know, we imagine ourselves and um, losing our source of income like that, you know, overnight with an executive order and then trying to navigate 
pathway to prosperity through services. Well, that, that, been, that you know, leads to my next question. We've we've seen the data that economic downturns uh, tend to affect women and people of color disproportionately. I was curious if you've seen more opportunities crop up with this terrible downturn that's happened. You know, and and I, I yes, I would say yes, and and some of those opportunities. And I was visiting with Dr. Ryan from Yavapai College, and she was telling me that while their enrollments were flat, their credit hours were high. So folks with with a lot of our encouragement and hopefully encouragement from their family and friends were taking classes. Yay! <laughs> you know, so it was an opportunity to build credentials and be prepared for that job coming out. And it did seem to be more proportionate to women, you know, and I think the difficult side for, for women was, of course, single women, especially having now children underfoot. So you're in the home and many, many employers required remote working and you're at home and you have no daycare opportunities and, and you have to, you know, still maintain, you know, some semblance of work. And so that was really a challenge for individuals to learn how to navigate all of those things. I think that people are so very bright. And I heard a young woman talk about that she was going to start a business and she was a teenager and her business was going to be to babysit online on Zoom. And I wondered how that, that might work. And when she explained it, it was really to occupy the time of children while their parents were at work in the same household. There's a young woman who had that idea. And at first I scratched my head thinking, well, that's silly. How do you babysit online? I want to get in on the initial public offering of the company that that teenager is going to start. I think that could be my retirement. I know. Quite quite an outstanding young lady who came up with that idea and that notion. And, And sometimes it can be as simple as reading a book to a child so that mom and dad can just take a bath. (laughs) <laughs> get a little laundry going. That's so um, resourceful. It was really I brilliant. love it. Well, that's what they say. You know, it's like yeah. the, the the darkest times always that destruction creates new opportunities. And I love to see that people are rising to it the really challenge. Does. <laughs> I noticed in your bio that you were part of the digital, yeah, digital Arizona council. Arizona. Um, and I'm kind of curious, what can we be doing more in Northern Arizona to make work from home, school from home. I mean, we're never going to go back all the way. I'm, I'm going to be working from home. I love it. Yeah. Uh, you know, lots of kids are going to be taking classes online. You know, what do we need to do to make Northern Arizona mm-hmm. digital ready for kind of the new way of work and school? You know, you're exactly right. And, and you're like many oh, well, Fortune 500 companies. And, you know, they're walking away from, you really are, they're walking away from real estate. Um, And so, you know, when they stop and take a look at everybody's remote working and the tendency of folks, I think to many people's surprise is the tendency when you're working from home is to put in more hours. Oh, I've worked much harder since since we've been working from home. Yeah. (laughs) And, and, And because you're focused in a little bit differently. We know that businesses are stepping away, as I just discussed. Um, we know that healthcare um, is reliant on on broadband. We know education is reliant on broadband. So I think for Northern Arizona and something that we're working on with the state 
to improve our broadband access. And it's just so, so necessary. So we believe in planning for resilience. And the only way we can be a resilience and, and resilient in this new economy is to be uh, broadband ready. If you ever looked at a broadband map, we're rather scattered and, and um, primitive compared to larger areas. There's literally billions of dollars of federal funds out there to help plan and develop communities and cities and towns and states. However, if Prescott, for instance, is applying for a grant and they're going up against San Diego or San Francisco or Dallas, Texas, the probability of them receiving those grants is uh, much slimmer. But when you come together as a region, like our region, 47,000 square miles and our constituent base and a high demand for relocation, um, then we have a more competitive edge to make a difference. I think the school districts, especially in Yavapai County, have done a tremendous job with broadband expansion. And I've talked to them over time about how do we tap into their success. So when we think about education, education is now in the community. So we know education, their funding goes for K through 12. The K through 12 is now in the community. It's in my daughter's home. It's in your neighbor's home. It's in your friend's home because they're teaching their children from home. So I'm hoping that that ends up being an opportunity that we can tap into their success. We're so lucky to be in Yavapai County. You know, their planning and their projections are so right on. And so with the library districts, districts they're connected with the school districts already. And, and now my hope is if we can spread that into community, and that just gives us a better start. We work with the U.S. Department of Commerce Economic Development Administration, and they have $30 million grants out there looking at at least $10 million grants. But then you have the harsh reality that a $10 million grant mm. will take you 50 miles. So I mentioned before, our area is 47,000 square miles. So we have to start with a base and then we have to grow from there, but we have to do that methodically. And you can't get from the great state of Maricopa to Northern Arizona without going through Yavapai nice. County. So well, so I have right to ask you this, does, how does the census figure into all of this? The census is so important because our access to funds is greatly dependent on the census. I'm happy to say that Yavapai County compared to the rest of our district or even throughout the state is uh, at a much higher rate of response. Yay, well done, um, Yavapai. Other counties, um, so just, to, just in case um, any, any audience members don't know, the census is what the federal government uses to determine where money should go. So if there's an undercount, if we all don't respond to the mm -hmm. census, if we don't answer the door when the when the, the resurveyor comes by, that means less dollars coming into Yavapai County to give us broadband access, to help us hire more teachers, to help pay for NACOG programs. So yeah, the plug for the census. I think that, you know, we've had a change in our social environment and people used to have an attitude, I'll say, for lack of better terms that, well, those services are for those people. Well, during the pandemic, we all became those people. So I think that we have a societal change where people are recognizing the need for service, which is that's awesome. great. Well, actually, let's take a let's take a little break. Yeah, let's yeah. take a little break. <laughs> we'll be okay. right back with more from the Prescott One podcast. The team at Prescott Women Magazine shows its dedication to this community in all the ways. They cover local stories, feature local businesses, trumpet local leadership champion local causes, 
and raise money for local nonprofits. Here's a message from the publisher, Brianna Hinkle, about the team's current fundraising efforts. The Prescott Woman team is in training right now for a 24-mile rim-to-rim hike of the Grand Canyon in support of the Launchpad Teen Center. Brianna recorded this audio on a training hike up Granite Mountain. I'm Brianna Hinkle, working with Team Prescott Woman Magazine for the Launchpad Trek for Teens fundraiser, which raises money for their WILD program to keep kids wild for generations to come. It pays for their trips on spring break and um, also kayaking and a bunch of different adventures to get kids out in the wild. So if you'd like to donate, I'll put the link in the comments. And I'm trying to reach a goal of 2000 so help me get there. Bree and the team will participate in the Trek for Teens on October 2 and 3, so be sure to go to prescottwomanmagazine.com and scroll down just a little to the Donate button. Add your measure of support to this brave and dedicated team and help keep local teens engaged and healthy. All right, and we are back with the Prescott Woman podcast. I'm Charles Matthews. I'm Kelly Robert, and we're here with Tracy Drew. Tracy, we are here with Terry Drew. I don't know where that came from. Yep. <laughs> Great. So you you talked about competitive advantage uh, a little mm-hmm. bit in the in the previous section, and just one thing I wanted to ask about is the fact that your office is all female led, and there's a lot of statistics out there that indicate that female leadership confers a, a statistical and competitive advantage. Are you are you finding that to be true? I absolutely do. And especially in the work that we do, you know, women are great minds and great thinkers and, um, you know, organizers, you know, we organize homes, we organize businesses, we uh, facilitate processes. And so I'm very happy to be joined by Anita Payne, who's our chairman and has been our chairman over the last five years. And um, she's an electrical engineer in her career. And so speak of great minds and um, and then also Leah Sakavich is our op- operations manager. And um, she is, you know, probably a success, not probably, is definitely a success story for us as well. And she started with our services, leaving the private sector and working for NACOG about 13 years ago. And she's worked her way through the processes and shares the same values and is our operations manager. So I'm glad to have both Sounds of Sounds like you guys have a great side. team. We really do. And, you know, it takes a little bit of crazy to get through our days sometimes just because the demand is so great and we're really very motivated to do what it takes. Fantastic. We're lucky to have you. So that's, you know, given that you have this successful team and that you all have changed and pivoted and, and risen to this challenge, do you have any, I don't know, advice or any, any stories about how you, your team is getting through this? And, you know, we're, we're just at the end of the beginning, or maybe we're at the beginning of the middle of this whole process of, of COVID. We, we got some ways to go, but any, any thoughts, any tips, any wisdom you can share? You know, and I think, you know, focus and, and just always remembering what to be grateful for. And so our team in the beginning, they were saying, well, everybody we know is on emergency leave and they're working remotely from home. You know, why can't we do that? And after a day or two, they're like, you know what? I'm glad to be able to be in the office and I'm glad to be able to be making a difference because it's not so great to be on the other side of the fence. And so I I think that that 
you know, attitude and, and cooperation and motivation has really uh, driven our team to be more forward thinking and more broader thinking about how and what we can do and how we can, um, I always like to say, stretch the rubber band. So we have a lot of rules and regulations imposed on us through the federal government. And we like to stretch the rubber band in terms of um, definition. You can do these things. Well, maybe we can do this a little bit more. So I I think it's great. And we had uh, what we call a summer youth program this year. And I think those youth really motivated our staff as well. And at first it was like, well, you know, who's coming out of the house to work for our summer youth program? And our summer youth program is an eight-week program. We pay 100% of wages and youth between the ages of 16 and 24 can earn $3,800 over that eight-week period. And you know what? Those youth stepped out and filled every single one of those positions that we had. And it gave my staff the a um, little bit of push that they needed to um, be connected to humans again and, and folks that were wanting to start to work again. And so it kind of changed the whole environment. A little so bit, being able to see better. some success and, and have that sense of mission and, and value and kind of a call to action purpose. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 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 Simon Sinek talks about the number one thing that, that a, a company or an organization needs to do to be successful in what he calls the infinite game, right? That's we never we never win at workforce development. We never win mm-hmm. at economic development. We never win at podcasting. It's just it's an infinite game. Um, but to have a to have a higher calling, yeah. to have a, a noble purpose, he talks about. And you you and your team definitely have a noble purpose, a noble cause. Yeah, folks have come to us and, like I said, we're grateful to have um, individuals and two of our our staff are uh, former law enforcement. And so, you know, they've taken that training and education and, and social engagement into our offices. And, and it's just really does show. It really shows that uh, they could take their That's career great. to the next level. So, Terry, I'm just kind of curious what you and your team envision for Northern Arizona or the Quad Cities or Prescott, you can kind of take it at whatever whatever uh, scale you want to. What would you like to see happening in five years? Oh, goodness. You know, I, I um, hope in five years that we have a place for everybody and in terms of um, employment and community and home. And um, I think we're going to do that. Um, the city of Prescott especially has been, and Prescott Valley, let me say as well, has been recruiting in new companies with exciting new opportunities. And I think we're going to see a lot of expansion. That expansion, um, especially companies relocating from areas like California, with that expansion, we're going to see a higher wage offering. We're going to see some healthy competition. And I think we're going to see um, some more prosperity for individuals. That sounds great. That would be great. And I'm curious, do you think remote work is going to be a positive? Does it mean that, you know, a kid in Sholo is going to be able to get a good job at a company based in Chicago? Or is it going to mean that we're going to be, uh, that they're going to, that they're going to treat us a little bit like, uh, you know, workers in, in Honduras where they can mm. pay us cheap and, and, Yeah, you know, I think that the um, competitive edge is going to change significantly and the competitions are going to, the competition is going to be global and it's going to be global because um, companies don't need to recruit from their community any longer. Um, They can really um, bring in individuals globally. 
And so um, it's going to change the competition, which I think will change how people posture themselves. So they're going to want to have those credentials. They're going to want to have that education. They're going to want to polish off those uh, resumes and meet that competitive. So it sounds um, like even the schools are going to have to shift. Yeah, the schools are, you know, just that's a brand new challenge and opportunity that we're facing currently. And I think over time, we'll see what that starts to look like. I know individuals and families that I speak to are saying, you know, I'm liking and my child's advancing greater by being at home. And I know for some individuals, it's like I need the school districts to be open because I need to work. And and then daycare, not only the cost of daycare, but access to daycare becomes really a challenge for individuals too. So we need to have a careful blend. And so I think that all of us to do the right thing so that we can open our schools and open our businesses and enjoy our community as Yeah. So I'm curious, since I'm pretty new to NACOG and what you guys are doing, if we have listeners out there who either are unemployed currently or are uh, you know, have family members who are displaced by the pandemic. How do they get involved? Are you taking new people on right now? Or how how do they get into a program like yours? Yeah, then absolutely. Um, everybody who has a barrier to employment is eligible for our program and services. And so that's one of those rubber band stretches. And and I don't think anybody doesn't have a barrier. Um, someone may have been gainfully employed over the last several months or even years, but are not um, able to advance themselves to a new career or a new wage opportunity. And so we literally can help everybody. So they start by just giving us a call at 778-1422. We're located in downtown Prescott and taking um, appointments for on-site interviews at 221 North Marina. And we welcome all calls and all individuals. For those of us who are employed or for those yeah. of us who care about Yavapai County in Northern Arizona, what can individuals do to help promote economic development and workforce development? Oh, you know, and I I think the referrals are really important. I think getting the message out is really important. As long as I've been at NACOG, I think the um, response I always get is that, how come I don't know about you? Or I I knew that NACOG was in the community, but I was never sure what you did. So this is something that you're doing, which is of great benefit to community. You're letting folks know and getting a better peek at what we do do and what we do offer. And um, we do a lot of recruitment and and, uh, retention for businesses as well. So if you're in the business community and you need workers or you need assistance, I'm happy to help. That's great. We're we're ambitious here in uh, the the podcast world. And we're going to be looking to you to help us find an intern or a new employee sometime in 2021. We would love that. And we have great talents um, in this area that um, yeah, we, would we look be forward great to it. That'll be fun. For. Yeah, that sounds like a great time. Yeah. Terry, thank you so much. This was <laughs> wonderful. Yeah. Thank you so, so much. I don't know about you, but A, I had no idea. And B, I feel safe knowing Terry and her team are on this. They're doing such great work. 
That keeps being my experience at my own job. And when we talk with our guests, that there are tons of great services and programs out there. And the real trick is getting the message to the people who could benefit. Uh, I feel really happy and energized that we are part of spreading the gospel of NACOG, especially with the economic challenges we're facing right now. They certainly can't wave a magic wand and make everything okay, but they have a proven track record of helping lots and lots of people and businesses and our community. So in order for them to keep doing that, they have to get funded. So be sure and support the leaders who will keep these programs alive at the federal, state, and local levels. So be sure to check out the NACOG website to get hooked up with career help and so much more at NACOG.org. That's N-A-C-O-G. Dot O-R-G. Help us spread the word about the institutions that are supporting this community. Tell a friend about NACOG and about this podcast. Subscribe to the Prescott Woman podcast so you don't miss a thing. Find us on the Prescott Woman website and in all major podcast apps. This is Charles Matthews. And Kelly Roberge with the Prescott Woman podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Tune in next month when we talk with the fine folks at the Yavapai Regional Medical Center.